Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. I am coming at you live from Schweinfurt. There's my best German accent. If you know, you know. This is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Jack, checking in. Do you copy? I copy. I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> Look at us talking across the globe virtually. Look at this technology. This is incredible that we're able to do this. I'm happy we we got to work it out. A little bit of a time time difference, but you know what? The Pipe It Up podcast, we don't make excuses. We persevere. We don't. We, we deliver an episode every Tuesday. Like our life depends on it. We are, yes, as Jack mentioned, this is a little bit of a bootleg setup. I am recording in Germany just on my Apple stock headphones. Um, Jack and I are talking on Zoom. We're recording through Zoom. So I know the audio doesn't sound great. But it's all about the meat of the conversation. The contents of the chatter is what really brings this podcast to life. So here we are bringing you another episode. And um, yeah, it's 4 p.m. here in Germany. I think it's 10 a.m. back where you're on the East Coast, right, Jack? Yep, yep. Yeah, so simple that we take for granted that we can talk on Zoom on our laptops. But 10, 15 years ago, this was not possible. So I guess that's one good thing about growing up when we did, but um, how you been, Jack? We haven't talked in about a week and a half now, two weeks, so how's your spring break been? Are you on spring break? Yeah. Spring break? If it, no, it feels like ages. I'm sure my spring break hasn't been as eventful as, as your trip so far, but um, yeah, last week, so my spring break ended this, this past week was uh, the first week back to classes, a um, little bit of a grind, all the work that I probably should have done over spring break, which I didn't. I now had to do. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so spring break was fun. I mean, didn't really do much, kind of just practice lacrosse, but we started conference play and, uh, you know, our first two games were fortunate enough to win. So 2-0 and in conference play is huge. Um, yeah, the boys are on the up and up. So I would say overall spring break was a success on my end. But how about you? How are you doing, Tom? Give me a little bit. Give me, oh, give me some action. I'm doing, I'm doing good, Jack. I um. You know, it's been a crazy last couple of days. Um, so I flew out to Germany um, last weekend on Saturday night into Sunday. Our flight was from Detroit to Amsterdam, quick layover, and then Amsterdam to Frankfurt. And then I had to drive to Schweinfurt, which is like the little town we're in. It's not like a big city. It's not like a tiny village. It's just, you know, it's a town from what I've, yeah. what I've been hearing. Um, but I, I enjoy this area. But, um, you know, we talked a lot about in previous weeks how, you know, what makes life exciting is kind of the unknown and being uncomfortable and that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's been uh, it's been the majority of my trip. So I got a couple of things I wanted to uh, touch base with you on and just the the uh, the craziness of traveling for the first for time sure. to Europe with people you've never met and stuff like that. So right off the bat, I had never flown internationally. And mm -hmm. it's like, I had never been on a big plane before. Like when I say big plane, I mean like this plane we were on, had like three different aisles, like of seating, three different rows of seating. So it was like three people on the window, then an aisle, three in the middle, then an aisle, and then three on the side. So it's yep. a giant plane. And yep. so I sit down, I go through security, no problem, no sweat. And right away I'm sitting next to this um, man who is a middle-aged man, probably I'd estimate like high fifties, low sixties. And I specifically had switched my seat to an aisle seat because it was a long, you know, nine hour flight. 
Mm-hmm. I was nervous about like having to go to the bathroom or whatever. I was like, you know what? I'll just get an aisle seat, make it easy on myself. And then I sit down and within the first like two minutes, he taps me on the shoulder. and He's like, Hey, excuse me. Do you mind switching seats with my wife? And she was in the like two rows in front of us in the middle. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh so, no. I'm, I'm faced with the decision here. Do I switch seats or do I just hold my ground and be kind of, you know, kind of rude to this adult, which is, I, yeah. it depends on, you know, how you look at the situation, but uh, I'm looking, I'm assessing quickly here and she, I can see where she's sitting and no one is next to her yet. So it's just two wild cards to who she's going to be sitting next to. But I was kind of just like, you know, I totally would, but she's in the middle. So, and then he just like cut me off and stopped me from talking and just dropped it. And I felt so bad, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Is that a total? I don't think that's a me. No, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, you specifically, like you said, made sure you got an aisle seat, you know, because you were worried about it. I don't really think that's an issue. If they really, you know, needed to sit together, they could have, they could have, or, you know, they could have at least tried to buy tickets together. Right. Like it didn't, it it didn't work out for them. Um, So I think, I think from both sides of the party, it's like, from his standpoint, he can't be mad at you for saying no. And I don't think you should be, uh, I don't think you should feel bad about saying no either. No, at first, yeah, when I first said no, I was like, this is going to be an uncomfortable eight hours. She's going to be mad at me, and I hope she has a good flight and stuff. But um, I think it was all right. I think he understood. And I, I like, tapped him on the shoulder. And I was like, if you need to get up at all, just let me know. I'll let you out, all that kind of stuff. But I did notice like he didn't ask the person to his right or they didn't ask either of the people on both sides of his wife because they were all like, you know, middle-aged people. They just targeted the one quote unquote. Interesting. Kid. They, they went Interesting. for me and I didn't budge. <laughs> and then they gave then good for you. You stood your ground. Stood my that ground. sounds like, yeah, they, that sounds like they were absolutely targeting you. I was, I was selected as the, the weak link of the group, <laughs> but I, I didn't budge. So I held my ground. Good for you, Tom. Um, good so right you. off the bat, it was a little uncomfortable, but other than that, the flight went pretty smooth. Um, but that was the first time I was a bit uncomfortable. And then we finally get into Germany. You know, I'm pretty tired at this point. I got about two hours of sleep on the plane and that was overnight. And now it's probably 11 a.m. or noon. And we had a two hour drive from Frankfurt to this town, Schweinfurt. As I said before, mm-hmm. Schweinfurt, if I'm talking like I'm German. Um, and then the rental car was actually obtained by my colleague. Um, but my name was also on the vehicle, so I could drive if I wanted to. But he's like, okay, I'll drive home. And I'm like, okay, sweet. And I'm like pretty tired at this point, right? And so then he's driving. I'm kind of settling in, getting comfortable. And I'm like, oh, I could probably take a nap here if I wanted to. And so then we drive out of the city, maybe 15, 20 minutes or so. And we maybe got a mile or two on the Autobahn, which as people may know or may not know, the Autobahn is like the German freeway, which has no speed limit. So it's a little sketchy. You've never been on it before. And yep. my coworker's just like, man, I'm exhausted. Do you mind driving? And he just pulls over. And I'm like, well, here we what? go. So, so we pull off the freeway and he gets in the passenger seat. I start driving. And within about five minutes, he's literally snoring next to me. So it's just Tom, solo Tom, open road on the Autobahn, got two hours to drive. And I'm like, well, I just got to get us here safely and we're good to go. But it was actually pretty cool. Um, very scenic drive. You know, obviously I, I, my adrenaline woke me up a bit and I'm like, okay, I need to get us there. So I can't, I can't be sleepy. Yeah. 
Um, and there was some, you know, other than when I was passing people, and I was driving at a safe speed, pretty similar to Michigan speed limits. I wasn't flying. But there was a couple of times when, like, yeah, I would pass someone to get in the right lane, and then, you know, people would just buzz by you in the left lane. Like, they had to be yeah. going probably, like, 110 to 130. Um, so it was it was pretty wild to see. Wow. I, I didn't feel like it was too dangerous. And all the cars that passed by you was probably mostly, like, Mercedes or Audi. Those are super popular brands are Mercedes and Audi out in um, in Germany. So that was a cool experience. I think it's a – yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I, I'm not 100% positive, but I'd like to look into the statistics of like car crashes on the Autobahn because I, I want to say it's actually less common than so, the than the like controlled speed limit highways. Yeah, so of course I had that same question and I actually haven't done my own research yet, but I did ask my two coworkers I'm here with about that and one said they did look into it and that they said there's actually less accidents on the autobahn compared to the U.S. interstates. However, the death rate of accidents right. on the autobahn is much higher. So that I mean, makes, that makes sense. sense. But yeah. it's like a different. I feel like when you're driving in the U.S. on the freeway, you're always worried about like police and speed limits, and you're always like looking down and checking your speed. Whereas on the autobahn, you're kind of just like going with the flow of traffic. If that makes sense, so you're mm-hmm. not like so paranoid about that. But you do have to like constantly be checking in your mirrors to see like if someone's flying behind you because that's when you need to get over and make sure like you don't cause any problems because there can be big speed differences and the speed there is certain sections that do have speed limits like for example construction zones it'll pop up with like a, a sign on the side of the road with a speed limit so like yep. there's some drastic changes in speed which is a little sketchy but overall it didn't feel too unsafe in my opinion but have you ever been on it before when you've came to see family? I don't think I, w- I ever went on it. I don't think I ever went on it. The highways that we went on weren't um, weren't the Autobahn, I don't okay. think. Okay. Like they, were like con- they were like speed limit controlled. Okay. So, yeah, so that was, that was cool. Um, I did, once we arrived safely, we settled in, all that kind of stuff. I want to say on the second day I was here, um, I think you recommended this to me. I'm not positive. It's a little, it's a little blurry looking back on it, but um, the donor – the food yeah i'm not pronouncing it correctly. Yes. i know for sure but the food where it's like yeah the meat is rotating and it's cooking and then it's sliced off for you in the sandwich i sent you those videos so good jack so good what a great recommendation it's a good bang for your buck it's great excellent it's like less than i think six euro so it's like six bucks or so and that is so filling it'll keep you full all day i think i've had i've been here for a week i think i've had three of those things now so good. <laughs> it's so good yeah and it's quick and it's quick Yes, it's very quick. I think I, I think I misspoke on the podcast because I said it was like some sort of a wrap because I wasn't remembering correctly. But for the listeners, it's more like a sandwich. Like it's the like rest of my description was was correct, but it's more like a sandwich than a wrap. It's like a stuffed like pita, almost like type thing. Yeah, but stuffed yeah. very heavily. And um, yeah. and I, I was saying that's quick. One thing that surprised me about um, like the German dining experience is very slow and not oh, yeah. like from a like getting your food perspective and like the actual staff but once you get your food it's just like i feel like nobody in germany that i see from the locals is in any type of hurry at all everyone's moving very nope. slow very relaxed like you'll get your food you'll finish eating they'll take your plate and then like you won't pay for another like half hour like it's so yep. much slower than u.s dining so and I guess that's okay when you're not in a hurry. But for me, like, I don't want to be wasting time. So what I started doing this weekend was, like, as soon as they come and, like, take my dishes, I'm like, I'm ready to pay. So then I just go. 
but yeah. some families will sit there for literally half hour, hour, and just you know drink water, juice, that kind of thing. Um, but yep. it's very, very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely more of a of a of an experience in Europe. That's kind of that's not really specific to Germany, at least in my experience. That was that was similar, like you know, across other countries too in Europe. But another thing that I noticed in that you know, because it's more of a it's more of an experience for them, I guess. And in America, it's kind of like we eat because we, I mean, we enjoy eating, obviously. But on your lunch break, it's like you get an hour and then you go back to work type of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for them, they get a little more time to do it. But another thing was um in germany was uh they they like they wouldn't come over if you were still like looking at the menu like in america when you're when you're sitting at a table even if you're kind of looking at the menu still thinking about what you want mm -hmm. they would at least come over and like ask like you know you know is there anything i can help you decide on or you know what are you thinking like they'll, they'll just come over to get your order right they want to get your order quick too so they can seat another table after you but yeah. in my experience in Germany, like if you were still looking at the menu, they wouldn't even come to the table until you like put the menu down. Cause then it's like, then they know that you're ready to order. I don't know if that was the same for you or not. If you went to any like restaurants like that. No, that it, that's totally true for me too. I think it helps. I have a better experience in terms of a more like traditional and hands-on dining. If like my server is the one who like walked me to my table and knows that I'm like an English speaking tourist yeah. who, like doesn't really know what's going on but if you don't make that clear when you first walk in yeah it's very slow you're not really checked on and that kind of thing so that was one of my first impressions of the dining but my biggest surprise of this entire trip jack is how infrequently i see people drinking water like straight still water yeah is like yep. I, i'm the weirdo for drinking water during a meal and during the day and I'm like, yep. what do these people do? So the norm, it seems like, like what's in the vending machines at the office that I'm going to and what's served at restaurants is all like sparkling water, like a LaCroix, if you know what that yep. is. Um, you can get it in like a medium, which is a little bit like sparkling or bubbly or carbonated. And there's like the full on, it's like labeled as like spritzing is like the word I see on the bottles, which is more strong. Yep. So I don't necessarily like that kind of stuff. I will drink it if I have to, but I like just the still water. But what's interesting is no one, even though they have like those popular options of the sparkling water, the medium water, no one's really drinking those with their meals. Everyone's drinking either um, a juice or some kind of mm -hmm. alcohol. Like no one else is drinking water besides me and yeah. I, or, or it's pop. And for water, yep. Like in the U.S., I'm so used to like drinking water. I love water, and it's so nice because it's free at restaurants. But I'm paying the same price for water that they're paying yeah. for other beverages. So, like for example, yeah. I just had lunch, and I had um, two of these like still bottles of water, and they were like three euros each. So my my meal was like nine euro, but then I had bottles of water, so it ended up being fifteen. Like it's crazy yep. to me, and they don't give you a lot. It's not like I'm just drinking water like like no tomorrow. Yeah, you know, like regular sized maybe like eight ounce glasses i'm getting so it goes quick and i leave thirsty but i just paid six euro <laughs> like seven bucks for water it's the wildest it's, thing to me it's totally different i remember that too and i remember like having to specify to the server because i would just say water and then i would get sparkling water yep. so i had to i learned that i kind of had to say you know their their term like 
translated to English is is like gas almost. So you would say like w- like without gas, like with gas or without gas in German. Like mit mit, I forget the name for uh, or I forget the word for gas, but like mit gas is like with gas, and then whatever for without. But all my cousins like thought it was crazy that I didn't like sparkling water. Like they were shocked. They were like, "Oh, it's so good! Like it quenches your thirst." Like I'm like, I don't really think so. Like a regular water like quenches my thirst. Sparkling water makes me feel like not good. But to if I'm being completely fair, after my trip in Europe and um, you know, in certain certain scenarios where all I had was sparkling water and others where I maybe, you know, was um, more willing to try it. I actually have grown very fond of sparkling water. And I like I buy sparkling water. Like I buy I have LaCroix in my fridge right here. Oh, like right now. Jack. Like I buy it regularly. So I side. like I I seriously seriously i have i went to europe like not liking or enjoying sparkling water whatsoever and i came back and um i do enjoy it i actually i buy it frequently so it was yeah that was um, that's so funny you bring that up because that was like one of the i can't believe i didn't like remember that when we were talking about before when i was giving you some tips but yeah that was like a huge thing going to the restaurant and being just like having to specify whether you wanted sparkling water or not. And then getting charged for regular water yeah, was like it's blasphemy. It is killer. Um, luckily I've, I went to a couple of different stores and was looking and I finally found like these giant, like one and a half liter bottles of water. So I bought a bunch yeah. of storing in my hotel room. So I just drink those, but yeah, like in the hotel, they'll replace my water if I drink it, but they're replacing it with sparkling water. Like, cause the first night I was yeah. here, I get here, I'm dying of thirst because there's no water anywhere. And then I get to the hotel and it's the sparkling water. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just drink this. But yeah, that was that's been the biggest cultural shock to me is the the beverage selection, which is yes. so funny. But it's uh you'd be surprised if you've never been to Europe, then you you can't relate. Like I said, I had no idea that water was so uncommonly drank here, but uh, that's that's what I found. The other the other thing that my cousins always made fun of me for was um like when we would get fries i would dip them in ketchup i feel like that's like a pretty normal thing mm-hmm. like dipping them in ketchup they would like think that was so weird like they yeah. thought that was like really gross and they all dipped their fries in mayo which i was like ah like, i don't know about that and then i tried it because i'm you know i'm an open-minded guy similar yeah. to the sparkling too, water and it's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Every once in a while, I do dip my fries in mayo. I think it's pretty good. I have a so funny, I don't know if you've seen that yet. But. I have a funny French fry aside for you. Um, when I was at work on Thursday, um, the side of the meal in the work cafeteria was French fries. So I got, I got a side of fries. And um, I'm sitting with a group of employees you know, a couple that were from America with me and then the rest that were all German employees. And, you know, I'm so I'm much on my French fries per usual, just, you know, finger food using my hands. And as I'm kind of looking around and reading the room, I noticed that everyone else is using a fork to eat their French fries. <laughs> so I was like, do I just stick with the fingers? Or do I switch to the fork? So I just started using my fork to eat the fries. Not an efficient method to eat French fries at all. I'll be honest. It was very no. inconvenient. Uh, an elongated piece of food like that is best eaten via the fingers. I must say. Yes, I gotta agree. French fries are were made to eat with your fingers, no matter how greasy they get. 
that's just a fact. Yeah. So overall, not too many different. Obviously, the language barrier is a big thing, but the biggest. Really, do you I've think seen, so? Like, has has there been a lot of uh, times where you've run into people who don't speak English? Um. So in the larger cities like Frankfurt, or when I was traveling yesterday. I mean, everyone's pretty much speaking English. Like when you start mm-hmm. speaking English, they can speak pretty good English back. But like in the shops of this town I'm in, many people speak very broken English or not great English at all. Um, wow. But it, it most people can at least somewhat understand like good enough. But like the hotel staff, this hotel, like I had an, an issue with my door and the repairman they sent, like he didn't understand a word I was saying. He had no idea. So mm-hmm. I was like, dancing around trying to show him like what i needed fixed and it was pretty funny but it's kind of fun for me just like try to like yeah communicating is kind of funny in a way it's like okay i'm the weirdo like they all think like oh someone from america and they can immediately tell that i have you know the american accent or the midwest accent or whatever it may be so it's kind of fun it turns into it turns into you just playing charades you're like one word one word door yep (laughs) no exactly exactly I would, when I was out to lunch, yeah, I needed a box for my leftover food. And when I said box at first, the woman was just staring at me and I was like box. And I was then like using my hands and then <laughs> you got it. But yeah, it's, it depends, but it is also crazy. Just, you know, you don't realize how lucky you are to kind of speak the quote unquote world language. Like, cause yeah. as we just were talking about almost everyone here who doesn't use English in their day-to-day life can understand and speak it just fine to communicate right. with you. Whereas me and you, I don't think, do you know a second language? Cause I don't. Uh, no. I mean, other than my, other than my very limited Spanish knowledge from yeah, high school, too. which yeah, okay, I same. wouldn't even count cause I pretty much <laughs> forgot all that. Yeah, same. And then some like funny phrases that my cousins taught me in German and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, um, that's a bit interesting. And like, you almost feel guilty. You're like, gosh, they all know English, but I don't know any of their native languages, but yeah. Overall, it's been a it's been a good experience. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the traditional German food. I've enjoyed the people. My coworkers here are all super nice and friendly. Um, just seeing the different work environments, seeing the different restaurants, the towns, like it's all been pretty cool. Yesterday, so yesterday was Saturday. We're recording this on a Sunday. So yesterday we kind of made our travel day. We like made plans. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was supposed to be me and my other colleague Adam. Um, but he ended up not wanting to go. So there was one other colleague who went with us. Um, it's a girl and her mom actually came on this trip too. So then I ended up going with her and her mom. I never met them until this trip. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to do this and we'll hang out and become whatever. So, and then they wanted me to drive too. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm back on the Autobahn with two strangers (laughs) trying to embarrass myself here, but it actually went really well. And so what we did is we drove from this town to Munich, which if you, you probably heard nice. of Munich at least it's one yeah, of the larger yeah. cities in, I'm talking to the audience, not just you, Jack, come on now. So yeah. This is, this is my thoughts. <laughs> um, so Munich. And then from Munich, we went to a mountain called the Jugspitz. I think you can look that up. It's like Z-U-G-S-P-I-T-Z-E. It's the tallest mountain in Germany. It's like on the Alps. So it's part of the Alps. So I went to the peak of that, like we took a, um, like a gondola or like a cable car up to the top, super cool. And then after we did that, we drove to a castle. I think it's called the Neuschwanstein castle. Don't quote Mm -hmm. me on that. 
and that's the largest castle in Germany. And those the castle and the Alps are kind of close together. And then we drove back three hours to Schweinfurt. So it was a long day, but um, we actually did it over two days. We left on Friday night to Munich and then came back last night on Saturday. But it was it was a good experience. Um, got along well with my coworker and her mom. And it was funny when we were like almost back to Schweinfurt. They're like thanking me for coming. And I was like, no, thank you for inviting me. Like, I'm sorry to crash your mother daughter bonding time. And <laughs> this the woman, the mom, um, she doesn't really speak good English. She they're Middle Eastern, so she only speaks Arabic. And so then mm-hmm. the, the girl was translating for me and she was like, yeah, she says you're like her son now. And I was like, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> it was so funny. They were really nice and we had a good time. So it was cool. Good. And um, yeah, I guess anybody who's nervous about traveling or doing things out of your comfort zone, just uh, just go for it. And um, you never know. You just, probably go have fun. just go for it. But overall, I, I've enjoyed it. Could I live here? I don't really know. Pro- I don't think so. What I, I mean, I could, yes, but what I prefer it, I don't think so. Um, but like, I've enjoyed this vacation and seeing how, seeing the differences, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not a vacation, it's, it's a work trip, but I'm calling it a vacation. It's very, it's very, it might as well be. It's very, uh, it's very eye opening, like just all the little, you know, little differences that like you never even think about, just like the little stuff of going to dinner or like what you dip your fries in, like just that's, that's, it's just like, it's so well, crazy it how, funny. yeah, yeah, it's so crazy, like how different it is all around the world and like things you like would never even think about or consider, you know, people in different regions do those things completely differently, you know, so yeah. it's, it's pretty eye opening. And sure. I could, and I could sit on this, on this microphone with you, Jack, and talk for hours about just like, yeah, the little differences I see and the differences in like the city life and the rural life and like what I've noticed over the past week, but um, number one, it'd probably get boring after a little while, but number two, um, I don't want to spoil everything for people who are like going to travel or want to travel. Cause it is cool. Yeah. I feel like I didn't have a lot of prior knowledge about Europe and about Germany and everything because no one in my family has like spent any type of extended time here. My dad has been here for work before, but like years ago, like 15 years ago or so. But mm-hmm. like, so I really didn't have any like expectations, any knowledge as to what to expect i mean you gave me a little bit of advice my dad gave me 30 seconds of advice but besides that i've just <laughs> been kind of figuring it out as i go so it's been uh, it's been cool i don't know i'm happy for you that's sweet i'm jealous to be honest i know but um it's, it's flying by we've already been here for a week and then today's sunday so then monday through thursday we're going to be working and then you know friday i'll fly home so it's uh, it feels like I'm kind of already in the downswing now that we've traveled and did all the sightseeing, but I'm uh, definitely, definitely thankful for the experience, but. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The only downside of this trip for me has been due to the time difference. Um, I haven't really been able to watch any March Madness, which has been a huge bummer. Oh. Which I kind of knew coming in. But yeah, like for example, so I got here. I was traveling during the round of 32, and then I've been here for the entirety of the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. And yeah, the games mm. typically start um, like 1 a.m. and then go till 4 a.m. So I'm not going to stay up and then go to work at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Like, that just doesn't work. 
So I've missed uh, what sounds like one of the more exciting tournaments in the last decade or so. But obviously I check the scores and watch highlights, but I haven't been able to watch, which has been a bummer. It's been absolute insanity. Um, St. Peter's obviously is just the talk of the tournament. Their, their win over Kentucky, I've seen some things online. Um, obviously, UMBC beat Virginia. Uh, what was that? Either last year or the year before, which was the first time a 16 seed beat a one seed. Obviously, mm-hmm. a huge deal. Arguably the biggest upset in tournament history. In sports history. Maybe. However, I've seen so many in sports history. Maybe people are talking. But I've seen so many um, things online about how the St. Peter's upset over Kentucky in the first round is actually statistically like more more significant or more worthy due to due to the financials that each program spends on their basketball program. St. Peter's like it is it is I, I don't know if you've seen any of this, but they straight up play in like a high school gym, like our gym at Brighton high school was probably bigger than the gym yeah, that St. Peter's plays in. And the budget that Kentucky has to spend on their basketball program is like 10 times what St. Peter's has. Like mm-hmm. St. Peter's barely even has a program. And mm-hmm. the fact that they beat Kentucky is just like absolutely insane. And now that they've gone all the way to the elite eight, like it's crazy. It's so yeah. it's so crazy. But this is what this is what's so great about sports. Like moments like this, you know what I mean? And this is why we play the games. If it was based on statistics or based on numbers, they would have been kicked out in the first round. But that's why we play the games, right? They're all the way into the elite eight. It's super exciting. Yeah, I think this is exactly why. Just just another example of the long list of examples I can make as to why the March Madness tournament is probably the highlight of every sports fan's year. Just because, yeah. yeah, sure, I'm not the biggest college basketball fan. I love watching my Spartans, um, and yes, I like watching good games, but I don't follow college basketball to a T all year long. But, of course, my eyes are glued to the screen every time March Madness comes around. And it's because – I think it's a variety of reasons, but I guess I'll list a couple. Um, number one being that everyone in this tournament, for the most part, has really – earned their way and proved that they can win, whether it's in the Big Ten, the SEC, or in some small conference that I don't even know the names of. They're all Division One programs, and they're all, for the most part, the best of the best. They may not have played against the same level of competition, but the, everyone in this tournament mm-hmm. has proven they can win. So none of these teams are going in just like they're, not, they're no good, they have no chance. It's like, okay, they're a 16 seed because they only played against smaller competition in a smaller conference, but they've, you know, like Bryant, they won their conference, won the conference championship. Yep. Like they're, they're winners, they're champions. So it's a tournament of all solid teams. And number two being that basketball, I feel like only basketball can provide as much probability of upsets compared to like other sports. Cause football is just too yeah. physical. The physicality of it compared to like Alabama recruits versus people who play football for St. Peter's is just like astronomically different. And just the physicality up front would be, there'd be no chance for an upset, you know, maybe one out of a thousand games, probably not even that St. Peter's can win. But, you know, in basketball, it's five on five. Yes. Size makes a difference. Yes. Skill makes a difference, but on any given day, someone might have the shots falling and someone might not have the shots falling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like really anything can happen. And yeah, it creates heartbreaking situations for, blue blood programs who go down because it was not their day and they lost to a team who they were probably better than. 
but that's just, right. you got to, even at your worst days, you got to be better than your opponent if you want to be a national champion. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just so exciting. And um, I'm so happy for, yeah, that program, St. Peter's. And um, it's uh, it's just a great tournament. I don't even know what else to say about it. You got you got to remember, too, that like. so exciting. Yeah, you got to remember, too, that like these are these are college kids, right? And I can say kids because I'm probably older than a lot of these guys that are even in the tournament now because I'm yep. in my fifth year in school. But there, there's there's nerves, right? There's there's all that stuff that comes with playing it, you know, on a big stage. And so, yeah, anything can happen. And like, if your shots don't fall, there's not much you can do about it. But if you're if you're St. Peter's and you're throwing up like tough shots and they're all falling. Like it's any, like literally anything can happen. It's insane. I've ha- I've very much enjoyed uh, watching this basketball tournament. I think it's been one of the better ones, um, you know, in the past few years from what I can remember. So, yeah. yeah, even from my limited watching and viewing, I can just tell from all the hype I see on social media and from the highlights, how exciting it's been. I am irritated with myself though, Jack. Um, of course, one of the best parts best and worst parts of the tournament every year is making a bracket or a couple brackets. And yeah. then every year I participate in a pool that my uncle Dave runs. It's a big pool. Um, usually it has between like 300 and 500 brackets and um, there's, there's a nice prize. We'll leave it at that. So mm-hmm. I put my bracket in this year. I've only placed in the top 20, I think once in like the 15 years I've been doing this because it's, you know, it's hard. Yeah. This year there was 556 entries, so I think it was his highest ever. And after the first weekend, so the round of 64, round of 32, I was alone in first place, alone. Wow. And it wasn't even like I – I was like okay in the first two rounds in terms of like win-loss ratio, but I had like all of my Elite Eight was still in. I did pretty good in the Sweet 16. Like So it was just I had a lot of points, and yes, I was – quote unquote, I was tied for first with, I think one other person in terms of points. But the reason I'm saying I was alone is because my points possible was significantly higher than the guy that I was tied with. So I was, I was the best bracket coming into the round of coming into the round of 16, sweet 16. And I'm beating myself up because once again, I have fallen in the Gonzaga trap of ESPN (laughs) builds up so much hype for them every year of all the number one overall seed. This is their year. Finally, blah, blah, blah. I did the same thing last year and had him going all the way with a lack of knowledge, with a lack of actual watching Gonzaga basketball. And I put him there again and they lose in the sweet 16. And to be honest, after I watched their very first game against the 16th seed, I knew I was in trouble. They weren't playing good. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And it just seems like, and I knew it too. And I was making the bracket. I was like, this is a destiny year for Duke. Duke's going to win that side. I should have put Duke out of that bracket. I'm (laughs) so mad I didn't because even with that Gonzaga loss, I had Villanova in the final four. Um, I have Kansas, who I think is going to make it. Duke, I should have had. And then on in the whatever bracket is left with UNC and St. Peter's, it's kind of a bloodbath for everybody. But I had yeah. I had UNC beating Baylor, and I had Kentucky losing in the second round to Murray State. So like I was fine over there. Nice, wow. It's just if I would have had Duke, I think I would have had a real shot of winning, like at least top five. So I'm really frustrated with myself, and I promise you, Gonzaga will not be exiting their bracket in my in my bracket next year. They're yeah, their section. They're, I'm not putting them out of it because it's Duke, disappointing. Duke looks 
um, like scary good. They look really good. And it was, it was heartbreaking to watch as a Michigan state fan, obviously when they played the Spartans, you know, we had, we had like a four or five point lead with a few minutes to go. Um, obviously couldn't pull it out, but I think everyone kind of slept on or like forgot about Duke because they got absolutely dismantled against North Carolina at the end of the year. And then they lost to Virginia tech in the ACC. Yep. Um, in the ACC tournament. Yeah. That, that and was I don't know, like taking it. That's what I think that's what votes. everyone did, but like, there's still like there. And I did the same thing too, but there's still like, you watch them. They're so talented and it's like, they're scary. Good. And I, and, it, and like you said, what a, what a storyline, what a scent, like not, not a Cinderella, but what a perfect fit for the media coach K winning his last and five. like it, it just makes complete sense like i don't know uh, how it makes i don't know how sense. i overlooked it like, it's almost too obvious to see but yeah yeah like i said i literally went back and forth i only make one bracket and i like was on this bracket i had clicked duke to the final four multiple times and i had gonzaga i kept going back and forth and i was like you know what it's too good to be true coach k is not going to make this run gonzaga will make it out and um I'm just mad at myself for, yes, it's so easy to say in hindsight, but yeah, for Gonzaga last year. That's why I'm so mad. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, whatever. Um, but the UNC thing, you're saying how Duke got dismantled. That's why that, that's why I picked them to beat Baylor. Cause I was like, any team who goes to Duke and beats coach K in his last home game is cold blooded. I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> just cold blooded guard for their opponents. So cold I them losing to UCLA, which was a, a bad, another bad pick in hindsight. But you, I think UNC is legit. If it does end up being UNC versus Duke, it's going to be a crazy game. That would be really cool. I'd like to see that. They are cold-blooded. Their game against UCLA, I forget the guy's name. I, th- I think his last name is Love, um, one of their guards. He was just raining threes, like just <laughs> absolutely pouring them in. It was insane. Like mm-hmm. he, he didn't even have that many points in the first half. It was just like in the second half, he just had the ball on a string and he was just putting it in the hoop whenever he wanted. It was actually incredible. They are cold-blooded. Yeah. Watch out for North Carolina. Yeah, I really don't know. If I had to pick a team to win the tournament right now, I really don't know. Because um, North Carolina is an eight seed. I don't even know if they're going to beat St. Peter's. But yeah, you know, they looked really good. Dukes looked great. Um, I haven't watched Villanova much, but I did pick them to get there. And I don't know if Kansas has faced a real tough opponent yet. So, and I'm just assuming Kansas beats Miami. So who knows? Great tournament. It's always crazy. So there's a reason it's called March Madness. But um, I'm excited to watch the remainder because um, I'll be I'll be back home in in the states for the Final Four. So nice. And if you guys are listening to this and somehow don't participate in watching March Madness, making brackets, you 100% should. Sports fan or not, um, definitely recommend it. So. Enough on that topic. Um, we're going to keep it a little bit shorter today, guys, just because we're on the bootleg setup. And I know Jack's busy with lacrosse. I'm out here in Europe. So let me fill you in on the MLW news per usual. Um, officially, it was announced opening day. It will be played on May 1st with the video uploaded on May 6th to YouTube. Exciting stuff. World Series rematch between the Wildcats and the D-backs. Um, quick one sentence prediction, Jack. I'm going Wildcats two out of three. What do you think? Um, I'm going to go D-backs two out of three. Okay, fair. fair. D-backs two out of three. We'll see how those pan out. So that's exciting. Um, 
opening day right around the corner. And then we also have the 30 for 30 dropping April 8th, which we have posted about on our Instagram. So check that out for the official flyer. Gonna be another banger documentary. But for now, it's gonna do it for this episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Glad I could bring you an episode, even though I'm busy traveling with work, but we'll be back in the regular studio next week. Jack, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Talk to you later. Okay, uh, we already recorded this. We already have it ready to upload, but it's 24 hours later now. Um, it's Monday here in Germany, and I felt like it would be a crime to upload this podcast without addressing the Will Smith thing at the Oscars. And I'm sure 99% of you guys have seen this, but here's my thoughts on this. Jack is not with me anymore. It's just me editing. Um, you know, number one, you should always stand up for the people that you love. Um, I think that's important. If you don't stand up for who you love, uh, I question a lot about you and, and your character. However, I do think that there is a there's a time and there's a place for everything, and there is 100% a certain way that you should go about your business and uh, that kind of thing. So that's that's my two cents on it. Um, I think you kind of understand where I'm coming from, but um, just remember that, guys. Time and place, time and place. There are other ways you can be effective in getting a point across without doing that. (laughs) All right. I'll catch you guys next week.